third room at the moment is that third where that the water rushes out before the wave hits. Everyone is is kind of holding their breath and waiting for the tidal wave to crash. It feels a lot like watching a train wreck in, in super slow motion. The country is collectively holding its breath, waiting for the tsunami to arrive. It's a race against time to prepare to source protective gear for healthcare workers on the front line and to ramp up testing in the fight against the novel coronavirus. I'm Catherine Rice, and you're listening to the first episode of the COVID-19 Chronicles, a new podcast by News24. South Africa's rates of infection have not been climbing as fast as initially predicted. It appears to have slowed, a positive sign in the quest to flatten the curve. But is that because of government's swift action in declaring a lockdown, or is it simply that not enough tests are being carried out? Currently we're testing under 5,000 a day. There there are plans from the Department of Health to ramp that up to 15,000 a day. That's Dr. Karen Begg, a public health specialist from Stellenbosch University who is working in collaboration with UWC, UCT and the Department of Health in the Western Cape to assist with case and contact tracing. Every person who has tested positive for COVID-19 in both private and public laboratories is being contacted and their contacts are then also being traced. But at the moment, only people showing symptoms are being tested. We may be underestimating the number of cases. So that's why uh, the health minister has uh, suggested or has uh, indicated that they are now moving to a more widespread screening. Um, And that will be door-to-door in high-risk areas. Dr. Trudy Smith, an obstetrician and gynaecologist, was unwittingly exposed to a COVID-19 positive patient before the lockdown when a woman came to her rooms after having travelled internationally recently. The patient had only been tested the day before visiting Dr. Smith and was still awaiting her results. I was not tested at all. I phoned the lab for the result um, the next day because I needed to know, and I, you know, I wasn't contacted as a trace, so I'm not too sure how far the tracing goes. Dr. Smith immediately went into self-quarantine, because she herself had followed up. As things are evolving, we're getting better. Remember, you know, this was 10 days ago, and we're evolving very fast in terms of how we're approaching things. So, you know, it's difficult to say whether that process, you know, isn't improving all the time, but I'm sure it is. General practitioner Dr. Yaku Stienkamp was also exposed to a COVID-positive patient before the lockdown. He had not been wearing protective clothing. We still have a critical shortage of tests, so we've got to be very careful and, and uh, in how we, in who we refer for testing. So it becomes very difficult because the case that I had that was positive was very unexpected. Dr. Stienkamp also went into self-quarantine before the lockdown. He believes the low numbers of positive cases so far are too good to be true. On the one hand, it's inevitable. It's like watching a tsunami come to the shore and just trying to get your surfboard ready to try and surf the wave. Um, it's, it's just the frustrating thing is how slowly it's unfolding. <laughs> I was, you know, in, in the back of my mind, the, the, the next worst thing that I could think of that, that I've been sort of uh, exposed to in my life was 9-11, which happened very quickly. And it was a couple of horrible things and it was over and then we sort of lived with the aftermath of it. This is happening slowly and, you know, 
It's, it's, that's, I think, the most frustrating and dreadful and soul-destroying part, that this is happening, it's coming, but it's, it's so slowly, and we've got to just be ready. I think the upside of that is that we do have a lot of uh, chance to prepare. Behind the scenes, doctors are forming WhatsApp groups, creating Facebook pages, and starting funding campaigns to raise money for personal protective equipment for when the onslaught arrives. Cape Town anaesthetist Dr. Neil Evans started a backer buddy campaign to raise funds for N95 masks and visors. We are now in the coronavirus era where all patients, can you imagine being a dentist now and now you must operate in somebody's mouth and you know, we know that 25% perhaps more of coronavirus patients are asymptomatic. So how do you know anybody isn't, one of your patients isn't COVID positive? You don't. And he says the official line that surgical masks are adequate and N95 masks are only necessary for certain procedures like intubation is not a position any doctor wants to be in. The state simply doesn't have the resources because the resources are being neutered, haven't they? Somerset West anaesthetist Dr Anthony Alwood says the impact on health workers in countries that have been battling the disease for weeks longer than South Africa is a frightening indication of what is to come. Nobody feels particularly confident at this time that we are going to be 100% protected by, by, by what we wear on the front line. You just have to look at the statistics worldwide of, of what's happening to medics and those medics that are getting infected and being taken off the front line and medics that are dying, uh, you know, previously healthy medics that are dying from contracting infections with, working with these patients. And, it is worrying, you know. I mean, it has been worrying for a while. It's been worrying ever since it first came out. It's like, how on earth are we going to protect ourselves adequately? And he thinks there's not much time left. I don't think that there's anyone in the medical fraternity on the front line that believes that it's not coming to us. Uh, I I've never heard uh, anyone say that. Everyone is, is kind of holding their breath and waiting for the tidal wave to crash. Ventilators, he says, will also be a critical weapon in the war against the disease. Ventilators are one part of the equation. One has to obviously remember that every ventilator that you have needs to be staffed by skilled staff 24 hours a day in a unit that can manage them. Um, these patients, once they get to that critical stage, are extremely difficult to manage. Putting a patient on a ventilator is not a guaranteed cure. It's, it's, a, it's a kind of last resort um, if you have the facilities to do that. And the problem in South Africa is both state and private resources are severely limited. You think in the, in the Western Cape, um, we have less than 800 ventilators uh, available. You know, I believe that places like Huriskia and, uh, and Tigerberg Hospital in the Western Cape um, have uh, between 100 and 200 uh, ventilators available. Uh, but yeah, I don't know if all of those are going to be operational. Um, and those are the public hospitals. Uh, I, I can speak um, from personal experience in Somerset West is that at our own hospital we have 14 ventilators. That's one for um, those are official ventilators and then a couple more in the, in the area. So, you know, when you consider those figures in, in relation to the, the international figures, you know, the US was saying a few weeks ago that they were looking to source 1.9 million ventilators. He believes the community will be needed and can do a lot to support the medical fraternity and people from poor communities. Those of us that have access to internet and can 
talk like this on the phone are, are very privileged, but there's a huge number of people out there that are struggling for food and water on a daily basis. And let's not forget that that's where, that's where the fight is going to be, is just to keep, keep people in those poor situations in the townships and, and people with no resources, just to give them the basics. And I really do believe that the time is now for people to to stand up and say, listen, you know, this is a marathon, it's a war we're facing, and we're just at the start of it now. At 8 p.m. every night, the streets of the CBD are filled with the sounds of cheering and clapping for those who will be on the front lines of this pandemic. For Dr. Trudy Smith, South Africans have the advantage of already having pretty strong coping mechanisms in the face of adversity. We have tears. I think we'll take the bull by the horns and we'll do the best we can with what we have. Dr. Begg believes it's an opportunity for South Africa to reinvent itself. There's a lot happening and a lot happening behind the scenes that perhaps the public is not familiar with. Whether we are completely ready, only time will tell. This episode of the COVID-19 Chronicles was produced by Catherine Rice, audio production done by Al Colstock.